Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. The virus that causes shingles is sleeping in 99% of people over 50. It's lying dormant, waiting, and it could reactivate at any time. And while not everyone at risk will develop shingles, it strikes as a painful, blistering rash that can last for weeks. Think you're not at risk for shingles? It's time to wake up because shingles could wake up in you. If you're over 50, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about shingles prevention. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. sent me a clip of John Bon Jovi singing at a concert. It did not sound like him. Like when do, a woman needs to know when to hang up her thong. Can Bon Jovi not sing anymore? Or was it just a bad thing? Because he's not really that old. So like when does somebody fold it up and just be like, okay, if, he, if I don't sound the same, or is it just another iteration and it's campy and you're just seeing the person? What is, what's the expiration date on somebody? Like when do you say, okay, the, the table went cold. I'm walking out of here. You're not grabbing every last dollar. But I just want to know, did anyone else hear about that? Because my fiance sent me a video of Bon Bon Jovi and he was singing a song that like we all know. I can't remember which one it was. And I was like, who is, what song is that? He said, it's not like, is it Shot to the Heart? One of the songs that I think we all know. My guest today is Ukrainian ballroom dancer, Max Shmurkovsky. Before Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, Max was best known for his work on Dancing with the Stars. But when he escaped Ukraine, the world came to know him as an advocate. He stepped forward to share what is really happening in Ukraine and what it felt like during the invasion so that we could all understand the magnitude of this crisis and take action. His story is inspiring and a reminder that there's so much more work left to be done in Ukraine. Here's our conversation. How are you? I'm well. It's so funny to um, have reconnected with you. I don't, years ago, I think you did my talk show, but how did we know each other to begin with? Is that how we first met? I I feel like I really know you. I don't remember how we met, but I think you did the show, right? I honestly, I don't remember, to be honest. And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I know you very well. I speak of you on a first name basis. I have no idea why. And uh, and I feel (laughs) like we keep doing stuff together, but never really, 
you know, we always kind of brush it off to like when we have time, we'll hang out and all that. But <laughs> normally we just kind of like, um, I don't know. I speak very highly of you. I think you are, you know, great, uh, you know, entrepreneur. I look up to, you know, success of people and yours. Uh, I remember for some reason that, you know, it's one of those successes that I that I looked at and I was like, yeah, this is this is very attainable. This is something that, you know, industry can provide that, you know, I'm in the right place at the right time around right people. And you are I one like of those people. So I don't, you know, it's just like as far as what you asked, uh, you know, kind of like what we think of each other, what we know each other. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of feel like I, you know, know about you. Well, I've always liked you and respected you and your brother. And uh, I know many of the people that are on the show and it is a lot about people and attainable success. So I'm glad you brought that up. But I don't really, many of my friends have come on and very successful people like Mark Cuban or um, now Cheryl Sandberg. And I didn't know that much about them until we have these deeper conversations. So I wanna talk to you about your trajectory because we were friendly a long time ago and we've both moved on in our personal lives and professional lives. And I don't know exactly what you've been up to and what your journey is like. You lived in New Jersey and now you live in LA full time? Yes, I do. Okay. So when you were dancing um, on Dancing with the Stars, were you living, where were you living as your primary residence? New Jersey. I was in Fort Lee. You were in Fort Lee. Okay. Um, And do you consider, where do you, do you feel like Ukraine is home? Is that really where your heart is? Do you have you, or, and then in the United States, is it more East coast or West coast? Like where, how do you feel inside? Yeah, I, is I feel it inside, and I feel like it comes out more so than anything else. Is is just Brooklyn, you know? I can't really? lie; it's not a you know, it's not a cute thing to say. Um, you know, Val and I talk about this all the time. Like, we, we you know, gangster. Like, listen, I'm not a you know, uh, I'm not, admittedly, but I did grow up in Brooklyn. That's my first sort of. Um, moment of entry into United States. And by that, it's a huge point in my life. Um, and, and to answer your question, as far as where my heart is, Ukraine and all that, Ukraine is like, you know, and I said it somewhat, Ukraine is like the parent that uh, gave me up for adoption. Ah, you know, and, and uh, at 14 years old, when I'm leaving, you know, my hometown, my birthplace, uh, we up and we left. We were never coming back. It wasn't like, hey, let's go move for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we were going away. Uh, and when we landed, it was sort of like the family kind of like motto for us to just like, okay, here we are. We're now making it here. This is not what it is. That's not where we are. So I took it as such. Uh, I fell in love with the place. Obviously, there's a lot to fall in love with New York in New York City and, you know, nearby areas. Um, had a lot of culture growing up. We landed in 94. So the second part of the 90s was like the renaissance in New York City was continuing, you know. And so I got a whiff of that. Um, graduated Brooklyn High School, Edward R. Morrow, all the way. Went to Pace University. Um you know, did the things that New Yorkers do. And after a year dropped out because I had a business, I opened my dance studio in New Jersey and it would just completely interfere with my business and my dance career and all of that stuff. So came to university, said to my, I remember it was like accounting one-on-one and the guy came in and said, listen, you got to value your time. And that was like first class of the second year. And I was like, damn, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. Like I should, I just, I need to be paying more attention to my career as a dancer and my business as a dance instructor. Interesting. It's funny that you said that you feel most connected to Brooklyn because it is, there is a, a soulful immigrant pride in Bro- places like Brooklyn, like the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And there's a texture, I've been watching Boardwalk Empire recently, and there's a texture to places like this that is hard to really explain to people who didn't grow I grew up going to Brooklyn and Queens and it's just they're very multicultural melting pots so there's so much passion and soul and striving and coming from nothing and making something so you know that 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 definitely 
makes sense with the constitution and your pride as a man, as a person, as an, you know, an American man, like you definitely have that background. I can, I can feel that texture. I, I think that's very interesting. And Brooklyn is very much that. Um, so did you grow up poor, lower middle-class, middle-class? What was your family background? Proud. <laughs> so Proud. you can right away detect that probably lower middle. Uh, no, and I'm not knocking the ones that didn't grow up poor, you know, is if we're just going to break it down. Right. Uh, I just feel like we all have different opportunities. You know, I had an opportunity to, um, you know, to learn the language a certain way, you know, to get woven into the, um, the life of the United States as a country a certain way. You know, I got to, I got to travel regardless of my financial status, which is a mm -hmm. big deal because we consider travel to be vacation. Um, I was traveling for my career as a professional dancer, you know, and so very shortly after landing U.S., literally a week later, my dad, um, parents decided that um, it is very important for the 14-year-old me to continue dancing and for the eight-year-old Val to step and start doing dancing as well because that was the plan anyway. You know, it's and so what, it's what it's the skill set you have. This is what this is where the fish are. It's also anchored me down. I'm going to speak for me alone. I, you know, it was eight year difference. Uh, so, sorry, six year difference with Val. You know, Val, you know, him too, but you know us a little bit differently. And, mm -hmm. you know, we have a lot of similarities, but some things are bound to be different. You know, I, I experienced it. I experienced immigration as a teenager going into yes. these sort of a years. Right. Um, but, you know, the thing is that I immediately moved on, right? So that uh, the, the uh, analogy of Ukraine being my birth mother who gave me up for adoption, U.S. welcomed me and mm -hmm. I moved on immediately, you know? And so I proudly represented U.S. Uh, from day one as a competitor. And now I'm flying overseas. Now I'm representing a country. This was also the first time I got to do that. Not because I didn't, I would not have gotten to do that in Ukraine, by the way, we don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But if I were to continue dancing, I would have probably, you know, fought for the same. But I felt like it was a big deal bestowed on me. You know, myself and Val, we, we rapped hard immediately. And so. And wait, you, you were that, you were that good, like in all of Ukraine for your age, you were that good. Like you were, <laughs> you would be ranked in the top you know, tier like that. You were like, a, you know, the Olympic athletes of dancing at that time. At that time. Were you just time, very good, but that's I a big was, deal in the U.S. I was not very good in Ukraine, but I was great in U.S. Because in U.S. it was just the beginning stages. I got of, it. Of the teens and the youth as we know it now, you know. And today, obviously, with Dancing with the Stars as a, as a concept that came on television in the mid-2000s, 2005. You know, we had a big renaissance of ballroom in the United States. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? What do these people do? Like, what do you mean? What, you know, I'm a U.S. national champion. My brother's a 17-time U.S. champion, world champions. You know, all of these sort of, like, things started to come up. And people realized there's a huge industry, you know, that we didn't know about. So, you know, I, I, I was given this incredible opportunity. Came from Ukraine. Didn't speak the language, but had a skill. Mm -hmm. Started dancing when I was four. Like I said, 14, I was not very good in Ukraine standards. Everyone danced. Very hard competitive career to, you know, to follow. But I would have done it. But um, I got, I, 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 was a, I had a different, you know, I had a different path. Nice. Wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting. That's like when people go over to, you know, play basketball in Israel or something. It's, it's, you know, a great true. Place. And then come and then come back and actually do, because what happened is us in the way that it was at the time and the confidence that it was given us because the pool of competitors was much smaller. We were building the industry. We were then going out and representing us at the world and we were doing amazing things. Well, and that's interesting. You're saying if that's an interesting just note for people, you're if you're in a sea of a bunch of people like you that are doing what you're, you know, you're doing and you don't seem like you're shining. 
to go be a big fish in a small pond, then come back to the big pond, you might have a different bravado, a different confidence, a different skill set, where maybe, maybe even your your charm or your personality comes through or some other thing comes through. So you could succeed back somewhere where you were just flat. I mean, we're jumping, but you know, as a young father to a five-year-old now, you know, I think about this all the time. What skill set, how do I use it? How, what do I give him? You know, how do I boost his confidence? And then I get stuck on that boost his confidence. I'm like, you know, I, I, my confidence was boosted when I moved to US and all of a sudden dance became my, you know, my high card. You know, it wasn't like I was part one, like you said, I'm in a big sea of like a lot of fish. You know, I got this pond and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity and we ran with it. Um, and so how did, the confidence, oh, sorry, I was going to say the confidence that you get from an opportunity where someone comes in and says, wow, you're great. You're special. This is a special skill. And wow. when you hear that, I'm like, you know what? It is a special skill. And just because I'm in a, in a class or in a city or in a country where it's super popular, everybody does it, doesn't mean my skill is not special. People forget so that. So funny. So true. My, it's true with kids because I know some people who have kids and they're frustrated that they don't have a passion. Like you can't just force that. And they're frustrated that they don't have some purpose that they funnel their uh, energy into. My daughter is an artist and she is passionate about it. She'll sit in an art room for hours and hours and focus on it. So uh, this is the- That's this so is beautiful. Thank you. So she made, she made, I think 25 of these, she made $12,500 for Ukraine, but it's nice for kids to have something. It could be anything. It could be collecting buttons and just to sit in a room, not be on the phone or the TV and to funnel and channel your energy. And, and so I foster that, you know, I mean, her teachers say she's the best in her school. I mean, she's very good, but I don't know in the world, it doesn't matter. You just feed it. I keep feeding it and, you know, telling her how great it is and, you want to promote that because you want them to just feel special at something. So I agree with what you're saying. Cause it boosts confidence. I'm actually, um, I'm actually just quoting PETA. I got to admit that, you know, she brought a lot of what I never had or, you know, the perspective that I never had into my life. And when we got together, the, you know, shy is uh, is like a perfect, I hope would be a product of the both of us. You know, I'm going to bring whatever I bring. I, I just feel like she levels me and she focuses my, you that. know, this sort of spread out kind of energy. So I'll go hard everywhere. And she's like, well, why don't we just focus on, on, on things at hand? And amongst other ways the, that I feel now I'm realizing that she's controlling me. To be honest, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, you might need it. You no, but that's, yeah, but that's, that's the reality is that, you know, I know hard upbringing, you know, I'm not going to say that our parents beat us. No, I got S whooped a couple of times, but that was like, not, you know, I was loved and that's what made us not just survive Brooklyn and the mid nineties, uh, but, you know, get better and, and, and grow and self-educate or educate and be, you know, take things in. You know, we stayed mm -hmm. passionate because we were coming out every door out of our apartment and we're like, let's go get it. Because every night when we come home every evening and I feel like, I'm, oh, you know, you know, I don't have any friends. I don't have a social life. You know, I feel depressed as a teenager. I'm already depressed and I'm depressed and I don't even speak the, the language, you mm -hmm. know, and so all these things. I would come home, I'd get a hug, a, a hot meal, you know, this constant there was love, a lot of love in the house. And so, you know, they struggled and we didn't know. We didn't, we knew, but it was kind of like everybody struggles, sort of like we made it normal. And, you know, the, let's but go it's great get it. to come from something, to come from something like that, the pride to build something, to see it on the other side now, to then see your parents right. differently. I mean, all of that is really makes, creates a texture in a personality. And I'm seeing it through with you and I'm, we'll get to Ukraine, but I'm, I'm, I've seen it. You know, I, like I said, I don't know you that well, but I'm seeing this come through. You do need to be harnessed in different areas. We even talked about that with In Relief. You wanted to do everything and you got to right. be really focused to make an impact. But by the same token, I'm seeing that all of this purpose sort of coming to fruition in your life at the same time, it's overwhelming. I, I get it too. You know, you're not sure. We only have so many years on this planet and you're trying to figure out exactly how right. to focus and channel your energies. True. on bullshit, on money, on this, on that, on philanthropy. I mean, you know, on relationships. Um, so 
Dancing with the Stars coming, you didn't come to this country for Dancing with the Stars. You came because of dancing and, you know, it did create this resurgence or almost a beginning for ballroom dancing in this capacity in this country. So it's weird, this this intersection of, of luck and your skill and the entertainment industry that all came together, probably for a lot of the people on this show. It must've been like, holy shit, we're just dancers and no one cares what we're doing. We're in this niche little weird world. And now this becomes this mega crazy, really household name hit. So how did that whole thing come together? Well, I mean, you know, we didn't think that that way, <clears throat> you know, so the timeline is now uh, 2005 is 11 years after we've arrived in the U.S. And right. so in the 11 years leading up to, um, you know, we've done a lot. We've grown up. I'm now a professional who's basically retired. Uh, from competitive ballroom dancing by going on Dancing with the Stars. I didn't know it at the time, but that's how it happened, right? No one was ready for that. 2005, I'm 25 it was, you were the first. You weren't the first season, though? It was already a success or it was not a success? No, no. Well, I, I, I missed the pilot season, which was mm -hmm. during the summer, six episodes. And then the second season, when it was coming around, um, I, I would get the same call. And the way it was made, these calls were made is by now, this is ballroom dancing is an industry. It's an industry in the United States, and it's a well-represented industry by us. Val is now a two-time world champion. You know, I'm now a big-time, you know, professional. But I hadn't heard of either of you in at the that world. point. None of us. But I've been right. signing autographs in Germany since since early 2000s. Oh, okay. You know, because, because outside of the U.S., we're a big deal. And so now you got this ballroom dancing come to the big, the big screen, the television, right? At the time. And so people are looking at it like, this is dope. This is awesome. I like it. It's corny. It's cute. It's funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's interesting. <laughs> it's athletic. They're, they all have accents. Why is this guy on my television speaking the way he's speaking and saying just weirdly constructed sentences, mm -hmm. you know, but then he does the cha-cha and I, and I dig it. So now it's such know, a good description. <laughs> That it was, was just awesome. A, From cute to that was great. Hey, listen, you know, somebody told me one time that like the success of Dancing with the Stars was is in the fact that it was never number one. It was always like top two, three, two, three, two, three. And so if you're number one, if you don't retain number one, you'd be like when you're two or three, it's like, OK, it's time for that show to go. For Dancing with the Stars. It's somebody's favorite pastime for generations at this point. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's we were competing with Monday night football for <laughs> damn near a decade and a half. Amazing. But and what's but what's jumping off the page, it's funny because years ago I was on The Apprentice. And when I did that show, my friend said, they didn't show that you were funny, like because it's all about the competition. It was about the competition. Yeah. And uh, even more so, obviously, on Dancing with the Stars, your personality, I don't even think ever comes across like you're cute, you're funny, you're handsome, you're, you could be a little tough, you know, you, whatever, you're, you're good looking, but like, you're fine. I mean, even the way you just described that, like they should have had you doing the promo. I don't think your personality, even to this day, and even with, and with the relief work, you're so intense about it because it's obviously not cute and charming, but you have a really funny personality and a really good way right. of putting thoughts together, in my opinion. You're a good communicator. Not that you know, the, the subject is popular and we can talk Ukraine, but this, the, the city I'm from, Odessa, is actually known for its comedic uh, backgrounds in former USSR and just in general in that, in that community. Uh, but yeah, no, we just have fun sense of humor. And if you lead with self-deprecation, you can just go straight up, be a stand-up comic if you just vocabulary <laughs> to follow with. So, um, look, you I should try it. I have a couple of moments in my illustrious uh, <laughs> Dancing with the Stars career that are still famous for it's just, I can't believe this guy just said that. Like, what? I cannot believe he just did that, you know? And so, right. and this was naturally coming out. But, you know, I was going to answer your question about, like, people don't know me. I, I, I agree with that um, because there was a moment when somebody, I was just completely always disappointed with the way I'm looking. I look at packages at some point. There was a period of time when I was, you know, that moment they show before you dance. 
And I'm like, wow, I look like an asshole. <laughs> you know, like, why am I constantly this D-bag, right? Like, why am I, why is this, this is not my, this is not how I feel, this is not how I feel me. Mm-hmm. I'm proud, I'm funny, I'm like, you know, suave, but as a joke, and this isn't never serious. But anyway, the, someone told me at that time, one of those high-end execs in charge of all this stuff. And I remember, I, you know, complained, he's like, look, when, if you don't say it, we don't have it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. So at the moment I was like, right. But then I followed up with, but I give you 50 hours of rehearsal time. At that time, unregulated. I have a person that just needs a lot of time and I dedicate myself. I give it 40 good hours of, I'm in the room, I'm rehearsing. And for 30 second piece, you're going to choose only that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So for a long time, I thought it was on me. It's not. It's on the way that they need to have been a character that's tall, dark, says nonsense, and is like, is the, you know, not per se Gaston, because you never really feel bad for him. But I'm like that antagonist character that was chosen to be and I didn't know I didn't know that it was right well I don't know because I think like me you have a resting bitch face that's my just like you don't know the inside on the inside I'm cute and cuddly I understand (laughs) but you're intense I may be very cute and cuddly too but I'm intense and so when people see your resting bitch face or how intense you are listen I saw how you were during uh what went on with Ukraine and it's intense. You're hyper-focused. It's the only thing you're focused on. And that's how you are with dancing. So good, because it's hard to, for people listening who are into business, you can't be a, you know, a jack of all trades when you're so intense about business. It's very serious. It's money. When you're doing relief work, it's very serious when you're dancing at that competitive level. So you are, you are intense in that way. And that's what comes across. And frankly, that's what the show was about it was about the competition that's why i mentioned it because i went through that with the apprentice it was not it was not the show was not that was to me that was my intensity and that was the root of all of this stuff oh on the same a lot of I pressure get no, the show is of... to entertain i get it i didn't I know that i thought oh damn i was given an opportunity here you go what on do you same. do best and i'm like I go for a win. That's my best quality. Like you put me in the front start line. And if the end result is about who finishes first, I'm going to give him my all. You, I you know? And then there's no dispute. Right. But if, but then there was another component, this is entertainment and another component. It's not about you. <laughs> right. And another component, the judges. And this is also not about anything. So it's like just a lot of things that I was not ready for at that time. Well, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about business. It's all about ratings. So if that's entertainment, if that's the competition, if that's sex sells, that's what it is. That's what it is on Shark Tank. That's what it is on The Apprentice. That's what it is on all these shows. That's what it is on Housewives. It's about the money and the selling. So how are you bringing people into your store? So whatever it is that people are doing, they have a store. Those are the windows. How are you decorating your windows? And if it's you being that guy, then that's how that window gets decorated. And that's what you're portrayed to be. I didn't have somebody tell me that. I had Mm -hmm. somebody tell me that probably along the way, but no one really set it down. Like, listen, you're not listening. You just listen to what the words are. Because I heard like, hey, you can't be this. Oh, hey, you shouldn't be that. And then my grandma's like, you know, why would you say that? You know, so it was never like, hey, you know what? You can do that, right? You can express yourself. You can continue running your brand, right? If what I understand now, but you can do it in a way that everybody doesn't cringe, you know, on Monday night when they relax after a long day of work and they don't want to see that, that's a different program, right? But even in non-entertainment, even in regular business, people have to stop, stand back and recognize that. When I wanted to be on The Apprentice and I met with Mark Burnett, I was about the business. I'm successful. I'm not successful. I'm smart. I'm motivated. I'm whatever. They didn't, they wanted, yes, you had to check that box to get in there. Just like the dancing, you can't not know how to dance, but they wanted entertainment. And in business, people the people that are going to succeed is the one who's going to be a bit charismatic in the meeting or the one who's a little bit intense or the one who gets their thoughts across or the person who everyone wonders what they're thinking. It's the same thing. You have to be compelling to get your point across. 
one way or the other. I mean, I have people that have worked with me, assistants and staff, if they're pleasurable to be around, if they're entertaining, if they're fun, if I enjoy them, that's going to work better than somebody who's not pleasurable to be around. So it's interesting how it works in so many different ways, even if it's not entertainment, it's about what's drawing people in. And by the way, in philanthropy too, you know, what's the message? I bet you saw this and it's frustrating. Philanthropy for many people, um, philanthropy is, is, is marketing in many ways. So 10 different people want you to bring money into their places. Right. And Many of them are middlemen and women. Many of them, these celebrities, now you probably know so much more than you knew a year ago. I've been doing this for a while. Celebrities link here and donate here. But that celebrity doesn't know what that thing is. That's to another place. So now you've stopped on a stop and you're giving money, but they're saying, but I'm going to tell you to give money to me and I'm going to give it to them. Well, I want to talk to them. So I tried to be the them, meaning, no, no, I'm in control of the money. So this is where the money's going, being transparent, talking about the problem. And as you learned, you were telling about the problem in Ukraine. Then you were trying to direct people. But as you saw, people get over it. It's cool for a week. It's cool. Yeah. Just like it's cool to watch Johnny Depp this week, but not next week. It'll be somebody else's divorce. Last week, it was cool that J-Lo was getting engaged. Someone else next week. So it's weird because philanthropy, which you just got a real intense dose of is also marketing it's a not-for-profit business but you have to find your way in and know when to pull in right. so anyway i want to hear I had more a, experience with that yeah i had a crazy entry level entryway into philanthropy into world of fundraisers and charitable life if you will um uh, back in the day, you know, I, I just started playing golf and we are hot on Dancing with the Stars. This is like 11, 12, some 13, 15, I don't even know, years ago, something like that. And I literally just hit the club for the first time. I had no business playing on the, on the course. And uh, a friend of mine calls me. He's like, hey, I was supposed to do this golf tournament. You go. I'm like, sure. I went. And it was for a fundraiser for celebrity golf tournament for child health. And I had no idea what that is. And so I got there and I see this expensive experience of golf, golfing. And then you get together and there's an auction and then there's a night after and the gala. And I was like, you know, they're really raising money for these in, in you know, battle, you know, uh, abuse, severely abused kids. Um, I'm like, I want to see that. I, I don't know. It just irked me when they were talking about this. I was like, oh, this is, this got really down for a second i've never been to these functions before you know it's fun it's everybody's come communicating then boom down and fundraiser starts and they say that stuff and you like you look around the room and like well it's not the right entertainment you know program at the moment i thought and i was like you meaning it's 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 tone deaf to be here with all these celebrities at the highest level talking about this thing you'd rather just go direct is that what you're saying well no they started they started announcing like here's the you know the pictures and and i'm like wow this is really dark and like is this event kind of like for that but then so i got really confused anyway so i wanted to follow up i went out and i and i visited one of the villages and it just blew my mind you know once you see kids that were severely abused she's tagging on your leg and she's like nine it's a village where you said a village oh so so child help this organization has three villages in united states the big communities where they bring the kids um rehab them do their best and so the the point of this whole thing was this is a 95 plus million a year type of fund fundraising organization so it's a big deal wow. 70s it's a big i learned a lot and i understood the value of entertainment as part of this because you got to give somebody you know an opportunity to donate because they're having such a great time i learned the fact that you can't you know really frown upon the way people donating because who cares why he writes a check and with what face as long as he writes a check or she writes a check and this goes to you know the foundation so you know but then i learned the business side of this whole thing and the dirty side of some other stuff not through childhood but through just in general you know fundraisers and everything else i helped build foundations and organizations i've left some because it was like that's not the way you know i like this to be organized and 
that's your way of doing it. And I don't want to be part of this. When Ukraine tragedy happened, and I would happen to be a judge on a TV show in Ukraine. Crazy. A judge on a TV show. I, at that time, you know, I spent like eight, nine months actively working in Ukraine since last year, since 21. And I've started to, you know, take in a lot of relationships and I created a lot of new relationships. And I, you know, that's why not to jump out, but for me, this war has faces, names, last names, my manager, who's now a refugee with our kids. I mean, this, it's just a lot. We'll Got get it. that. But you know, now I was there for consistently long enough and deeply rooted enough. And reconnected know, back with your roots. And now that, you know, I've rekindled and we've made it up with my birth mother. Still love my mom because that's U.S. for me. That's that's my home. I'm from, you know, that's where I met. But, you know, this is now a relationship I want to continue, you know, and I want to continue figuring out figuring out i was welcomed by the country i was welcomed by the people and i had a great time the war starts and so i feel like it was that moment when you know i was for the first time in that child health village where it just shocked me you know there was a moment when the little girl tagged on my leg and she couldn't have been older than nine and kind of gave me a look slapped me on the butt said something sexy I just blew my mind. And then they took her away. And the the gentleman was explaining to me, like, yeah, she was, you know, raped since she was wow. a little girl. And so she's like in rehab. And it was just like mind blowing. Oh my God. And wow. So that's a crazy story. That's, that's a crazy, crazy way of getting into understanding why, no matter what. It is important to raise funds for this organization, for this type of foundation, because that's what they're dealing with. That's what they're doing. So now it all made sense to me. I was in. I was committed. Cut two. And you're, you're, you. Oh, that's years ago, and now you're connecting to Ukraine. We're so cut two. I'm in Kiev, yeah. and I'm now professionally, you know, committed to charitable uh, opportunities. Because why else? Because I'm a TV personality. What do I do for the world? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do I pay it forward? How do I earn that karma? You know, it's not the chachin because you make, I made you feel good. Right. That's not Yes. Enough. But what else? You know, it's not enough. And so I created this sort of sub world of just, you know, helping and being charitable. I'm in Ukraine, cut to February 24th, and I'm shooting a TV show, dance, dance your world of dance in Ukraine. And I wake up in this war, you know? And so then I got stuck, whatever that process was. And in the process, I'm now communicating with the people that I judged yesterday at dance competitions. And today he's at the front line with the gun and I can't even connect the two and I can't process it. Then the bombing started, then Bucha started, then, you know, all of that nonsense started. By the time I got out of, US, of, of Ukraine, and made my way back, and I was in Warsaw, it was full-blown, it was a war, and it was war on the people that I now am, This these are my people, you know, and I'm proud of these people. You know, the Brooklyn is my people, the US, you know, you know me, you love me, you love me. You love me in Kentucky, you love me in Alabama, you love me in because I've traveled this country, because I've done it. If you don't like me, I love you too. But I'm saying I've been here. This is, you know, I'm figuring out, I'm exploring other people. And I've some, made this crazy connection. And it happens to be where I'm from. And we speak the same language. And they're getting bombed. And then bomb shelters. And it all happened so quickly. You just the executive producers of my project and bomb shelters. I can't even call them and be like, hey, get me out of the country. Because I'm like... What kind of person right. am I? She's got kids. You got to deal with that first. Right. You know, that's so. crazy too, right? They're the ones in charge to like help you as a talent, but it's every person for themselves because it's a shit show. That's a great And point. I tried yeah. to like get myself off of anyone's responsibility. 
you know, the rest is sort of history. Now I'm sort of like, I made my way out to Warsaw. I look back and I'm like, there's no way that this is end of me in relation to that. There's no way that I'm going to wait this out and get back to like, guys, call me when the show is back on. Right. It feels so bad for you. Like, right. with, there's no way that that's my step. Like, regardless of what I feel and how maybe I was just too stressed and this is a crazy experience. Trust me. Well, trust me. The, for the people that are in it, you know, we're not, we're talking levels, right? But for me, it was like an entry level experience in the war. You know, thank God I didn't get shot or even shot at, but it was terrifying to be anywhere in the vicinity of that. Oh no, you got a complete wake up call about life in general. So, Nothing, whether you're Ukrainian or from Brooklyn, it's it's just crazy that you experienced that. And then you came home and I know, cause we spoke and you just wanted to be of service and you wanted to go back cause everybody's goal is to get the hell out of there. So you got the hell out of there. And then you felt like, wait, now, you know, you're shell shocked, post-traumatic. So you go back and I know that you connected with my team right. and other teams and, and were there for how long when you went back? So, you know, before I went back, I was, you know, we spoke and, uh, and, and, and I literally just wanted to hear what, what am I doing? What is this? How do I process it? And you were, you know, kind to just explain stuff and put everything in perspective and also give me a look into the business side of that too, because now I'm trying to be productive in a new era, in a new direction taking with me everything that we have and that I've learned about even business. You know, my dad <clears throat> was so successful with the Fort Lee, the New Jersey, you know, um, set up and then the, the sort of the yes, scale uh, of Barnova 27, the organization that we started because we were able to, you know, apply all the tools and elements of running our own, you know, multi-locational corporation of dance because studios. Because you're talking about scaling yeah. it. You scaled a small business. You're trying to scale a small business. Right. And that's what I was trying to say to you that like with philanthropy, there's only one you and you have a voice and you have millions of people listening to you. Right. So you could go do this one thing that is going to be lovely and nice and go into one house and help one person. Or right. you could scale this, which is what we've done. And so it takes a little while. And I had right. to learn that too. You get sucked down every drain and you go and you want to help every single puppy in every branch and every child and you got to pick your spots yeah so because it becomes a scalable business yeah because what people don't realize is in a conflict in war i just don't want to confuse war with conflict but in the situation this of this magnitude i mean you know how they say every little bit helps i, I, I don't know about that like every little bit makes it a messy situation you thank know? you i i'm so glad i can't believe you just said that no one said that except for my partner, Michael, who you, you know, and I, people all the time, people in the entertainment industry, very successful people. I want to bring my son over. We have a trunk full of clothes. We want to bring, I'm like, and I don't mean to be rude. I'm like, we have a $150 million operation. If you know someone at Toys R Us that wants to send me $10 million in toys, I can distribute those. But a trunk full of clothes, I can't help you with. Or people, we want to go over there. I want to bring my child to go over there. I'm like, Okay, so when you get there, let me know. Well, like, how do you coordinate it? I'm like, I'm not running like a teen tour. I've got, you know, so the little things sometimes, and what I mean to not be negative to people who want to help, because those listening, go to your local school, church, get organized, collect everything, sort it, get volunteers for that. Then be like, we have this. We have a hundred t-shirts in this these sizes, and then we can merchandise it. But to just but you are scaling a small business. You just said that. You right. know, you're talking about hey, why don't we organize right there? Pause. Right. Because that's not what she wanted to do. And to be honest with you, you know, I'm gonna have to call out some people because now I have that experience too. We are collecting mm -hmm. over two hundred fifty thousand pounds and yeah you know uh with jam and be strong and mike it's a small fish in a big sea but now i'm sort of understanding the process i know how to funnel it the right way yeah exactly. we have collected two hundred fifty thousand pounds and you know i'm gonna tell of you aid, he means. People... he's talking about aid he's collecting oh, yeah. aid and then it's about distributing it it's like literally right. like any other business is marketing sales marketing distribution he's got the aid now he's gonna have to distribute it Okay. But I was going to say that I want to call out people who sent us stained clothing 
right. and I'm talking stained like pea stains, like it smells. Right. You know, who sent us uh, uh, past due food, you know, who sent us past due. I don't even know how you find that hand sanitizers, you know, that are like expired. Some exp crazy things that with expiration date that was like years ago. And the call out is this, like if you decided to use this way to clean out your closet, don't right. do that. Right. You're not helping. Who are you helping? You're talking about people who lived a very, you know, successful life in a in a in a in a European country that have now fled, and you are saying, "Here you go. You're welcome." No, and that's degrading. With, with, a, it's with something so degrading, you're not helping with the process. You you're hurting the process. You sort of well, like. Well, can I say something, Max? This is the thing that I try to tell people because they want to help. People think because they can't give money that they want to help in this way, and people's voice is more important. There are major corporations like Amazon, like Goya, like Kind Bar, like Delta that will help if you're a credible relief effort. Okay. So right. we have those people. So you're, uh, we, we implore you to be the voice, the communicators, the switchboard. Max is one voice. I'm one voice. If you communicate what we're doing, those big companies will listen. So rather than dump out your trunk, full of clothes, which we'll have to sort and it's not helping, your voice is worth millions of dollars because your vice voice is who these big companies are listening to. And that's when they'll then give us millions of pounds of aid that we can distribute. That's why people have to be educated though. They don't know. They just think, let me give them anything. They're desperate and they don't know. Right. They don't know I mean, people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're 100% right. I would also say that, you know, if you are an organization like us and you decided to scale and you have this, you know, what they say, organic attachment to the, to the, to the, to the process. Um, I, you know, we are Ukrainian. Burnover 27 is a street address in Odessa. That's literally getting bombed right now where I was born. My dad was Name born. It, and my say, brother say, was the, born. say the org, say the effort again. What's it called? Baranova 27 is okay. the name of the street. That's literally our address of place of birth in Ukraine. And that's so, the name of your effort. That's the name of our effort. Yes. Okay. So uh, I'm saying like in, in, with the experience of, you know, entertainment industry that I have, it, it made sense with the experience of the business, uh, 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 set up and failures and lessons in, in business that we have. Um, we're able to grow this. If you are just a very, very sort of philanthropic person by nature and you feel from a very far away, I'm not being facetious about this. I'm just kind of trying to describe the most of the people. You know, when I flew back from Warsaw to Los Angeles, I realized how far away I am you know, and how far away all these people are. So unless you're into politics and geopolitics and nervous about, you know, economic downfall and inflation and stuff like that, you far away, you live your life. You might not be connected to it. You might not be connected. So if you're very philanthropic in that sense, and you saw this on the news and you want to help send $5 to, to just $5 yes. to an organization yeah. you trust to do this, right? You, me, Mike, us, whoever, just five bucks. You yep. help more than if you send a lot of stuff that isn't something that I'm going to follow. Because exactly. now well, I'm, I'm, it costing me somehow, some way to dispose of it if I'm not smart enough and I have someone come and take me, right? So like now we're working with other organizations that aren't related to Ukrainians' relief efforts, you know, but maybe related to like, you know, we just literally dump clothing we don't need back into those No, bins. it becomes a whole, sh I get, yeah, exactly. You know, um, well, so you're learning that it's very much like running a successful business. And the, the, the thing I want to say about that before we get on to your business is you can't trust every organization or relief effort just the same way that you can't trust every business. If you think that every single business is run well and successful, great, then that's what you think of charity. But if you realize that every business is not run well and successful, you will realize that every philanthropic effort is not. So do your research the way that you're investing your money to invest in philanthropy and someone who's doing it themselves like you are and passionate is a good start for sure. Um, your business. So you went to for nine months to Ukraine and we're on this show. You're still an entertainer. You're still working in the entertainment industry. What is your core 
business now? How do you support yourself? What's your goal? What are you building towards? What's your business now? What do you do for a living? I mean, it's an, it's an, it's interesting because, you know, we have to also mention that we're just coming out of craziness for a couple of years that we've just lived through, you know? Oh, uh, oh, pandemic. Oh, no, I know. And I'm changing my entire career too, but I'm asking for if you some were sitting of next us, to somebody right. on a plane, what would they yeah. say that you do? Um, I'm a dancer. I say, you know, when people ask me, like, what do you do? You know, I'm a professional dancer. Oh, great. Oh, it's like that show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen you on it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't, I'm not on it now, but what do you do now? Okay, well, now I own a chain of dance studios. You know, we have 14 locations. Oh, you do? Wow. High-end social dance studios that are called Dance With Me in eight states. We're very proud of that. We, it's my brother, uh, my dad, and uh, our business partner. And um, and the team of people that we've worked with for a very long time, some of whom, you know, some of whom were my ex-students who became at some point part-time then full-time now they're like you know corporate directors so you know we have a great uh company that we built from scratch like i said learned a lot on um and again the, the beauty of that is it's in eight states and that would that gives me an opportunity to experience every kind of person in the united states you know and and understand every kind of market in the united states and also maybe we set ourselves up for a little bit of like economic you know uh, ups and downs uh, that we can regulate because we are not just in a New York state where, oh. you know, like, for example, COVID laws were a little different, but we also have five locations in Texas where COVID okay. laws were a little different and allowed us to continue staying afloat. So we did some things that, you know, we're proud of. What, well, I guess that could bring me to um, the last question, which is your rose and your thorn of your career, the high and the low of your career. Um, the high and the low, uh, I think, you know, if you talk about career and the business and it's finance and finances, you know, it has to be financial, you know, the high is, you know, I have, uh, I'm on, I'm in two most expensive, hardest to succeed cities, you know, New York city. I have a, you know, a mansion and, you know, cars and I'm supporting my parents and, you know, my brother in, in a way. And then, you know, I'm also in LA and I'm just like this, you know, bachelor on at, the, at some point top TV show, you know, for a period, for a short period of time, we were like top TV show in the country. Oh, and yeah, probably, yeah. you know, probably ran sort of like the, you know, the, the, the reality genre of, TV, you know, landscape at that time, mm-hmm. right? And so I have my life in LA and in the entertainment industry. So I'm like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that, right? And then, and then I, I, I feel the confidence and I'm like, bam, and then the wings spread. And that's what I realized. It wasn't the confidence, the cockiness, you know? And it's like, everyone has that. And it was literally, I was watching somebody else who's uber successful. Oh, Shaq, you know, Shaq. Right. You ask Shaq, he's like, he's literally just said that. It's like, you know, you think you're perfect, you're not perfect. Right. And then he says, you know, Penny Hardaway relationship was awful. Kobe Bryant relationship, a big mistake. This is the guy who at the time was pumping himself in the chest. I'm the best. This is, you're not right. being without me. And right. I'm like, wow, that's so familiar. You know, and today we respect the guy for his entire career, everything he's done, right? But he's admitting to the stuff that we were witnessing, like, yeah, that kind of seems wrong. Like, don't you think? And, you know, I have You're to look back. You're saying you drank your own Kool-Aid. Drank your own Kool-Aid. I'm saying everyone drinks their own Kool-Aid. Right. I'm saying everyone who gets into this and loses their head with the success drinks the Kool-Aid. Um I don't have that sounds like dimension. your low and your high. That's your high and the, your low. I don't have dimension. I don't have the whips on both sides. If that's how you know, how we say it in, in BK. Um, I don't have that part of my life, right? A couple of years ago, everyone's gonna say pre-pandemic, things exploded, you know, personally, not you know personally but like business exploded there was some other things this exploded and things that i felt secure about would not and ah. things that i felt insecure about 
became the the sort of the life the the, the rafts right it's all just very a little trivial but it's all personal but it's again it's describing what everyone goes through whether you're you know in finance and you know you had money in the wrong stock you know and then and, and this happened or whether you and you know me and I don't know whether if you're a professional athlete and you I don't know god forbid broke your knee you know what I'm saying like that that's how I look at it like I had a financial career that took a hit you uh. know and I needed to, and I got depressed and there was points and, and there were low in life. And then I was just starting to come out and then bang pandemic. And again, would feel like, oh my God, the world is coming to an end. This wow. is crazy. Why me at this time? This is how you feel. Wow. Like, why you? Why the, the whole planet? Nice. And so, wow. and to us, it gave us an opportunity to come, okay, cool. Well, you know what? This is too crazy. You to mean you and that. your brother, you and your father, or you and Pete, your whole family? Just me by myself. Me and myself. You had to get, you had to pull, you had to, but this is what you've done. You had to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and figure this shit out. And you did. Yeah. Like you got, you got organized and you like did what everybody did in the pandemic. You got your shit together and like shook it up. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like I, I, you know, I feel, I feel different. I speak different. I might train the thoughts different. I'm, I look forward to different things differently, you know, and again, that's, and again, just bring this all back and then bam. And it's again, end of the world. We're in war. Perspective. What, what is happening? You know what I'm saying? And then once again, and now you, and now it's just an exercise of, of don't lose your head, you know, no matter what. And every down follows by up. You know, it's just natural way of things. Um, and, um, you know, the black stripe and the white stripe, they, you know, so there's certain things you're in control wow. of, certain things you're not in control of. I'm in control of every single reaction that I, that I make. Mm -hmm. That's so you, you, you hit multiple back to back doses of reality, but the final yeah. dose was the war, which made you realize that none of the shit you were even worried about mattered. And that life and death mattered and that child trafficking mattered right. and family mattered and being safe mattered. And so you really, I think that's the whole reason for you having sort of PTSD, all of the things you just described, not just the war, but personal, a personal low, a financial hit, uh, a pandemic, a war. And now you're coming out on the other side. Yeah. Wow. And the perspective is like, listen, the five minutes that I was negligent with, you know, spending with my son, mm -hmm. you know, man, just don't be negligent. Cause right. when is that like, you're going to look in the bank at some point metaphorically and be like, mm -hmm. you know, wish I had all those five minutes yes. put together right now, yes. you know, and, and, and had more of that time. Cause you're going to feel that way at some point, not being yep. philosophical about this. I'm no, not near you, the no, end. Yes. You know, my, yes, my, you can't get the, you can get the, the money who cares yeah. about the money you can get the money but you can't get the time back you cannot get the time yeah. back and so it's, it's quality of time quality time for me at the moment multiplied by you know just quality of time with the the, the multiplied by the right people you know really because then you you know you get something out of it you you give a lot and and you don't you know yeah uh, so, I just don't want to di digress, but I, I think you know, one of the things that the really helped it. is that is that the circles, the circles also change. And I think it, it comes with, you know, now you have a kid, you're a different person. You know, you're a different person when you get married, you're a different person when you have a child, you're yep. a different person when you have two, because now you come back out, like guys yeah. are back, you know, <laughs> and then yeah. everybody's like, now nah, we just now got our first. So we only started. So, yeah. you know, for me, a lot of that stuff is also relevant. My circle of people changed a little bit. People that are mm -hmm. in my house every day are not the same people that I used to be, you know? And so it's just, Good. it's interesting. Life is incredible. Well, life is incredible. It's an amazing place to end, but it's funny because you made, you, you expressed that your rose and thorn are one. They're like a circular reference, the high yeah. and the low. Without that high, you wouldn't have hit that low, but that low is now turning into a new high because it's more of like, it's with perspective. So I, I think it's life is beautiful. It's a great place too. And yeah. I appreciate you and I appreciate the discussion and now really getting to know you because now I can definitely say I know you and I appreciate <laughs> all the awareness you've raised for Ukraine and being so passionate about it and finding that new side of your life and your wife being my, the one who was communicating with me, my switchboard operator to talk to you.
for the yeah. most part. No, and listen, I thank you so much. And and again, I just want to have to say, mention, thank you, Mike. Mike Capone is a big dude, and it is like a is a big is a big influence. You know, I, I, I'm I'm I've yet to know him as a person. You know, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. He's, just, he's talking about my partner in relief work, who's on the ground still in Poland months later, who's dedicated his life to philanthropy, had a very screwed up life, and pulled himself out of the dumps of life on his own. And he's dedicated his life to philanthropy and yeah. we worked together and found each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible what it, what you guys have done with Jim Be Strong. And then, and, and the, the, the lastly, you know, the war in Ukraine may be over soon, may not, but the, the damage is unprecedented. Yeah. Right. And unprecedented is not a word you can say a lot, right? Mm-hmm. When I say unprecedented is, is yeah, but we had World War II. Yes, we did. We didn't use things as heavy as being used now. And the destruction was kind of different type of destruction. And uh, I feel like there's no comparison and it's not about that. But my generation has probably never seen that, you know. And so I I feel like uh, the the reason why I need to continue doing this is because for a very long time after, the relief effort that I chose to be a part of, the humanitarian, is going to have to continue. Oh, you know? no. Well, we, we always say we're there long after the headlines fade. And unlike a hurricane, which stops, and then you're dealing with the aftermath, which is horrifying, and we've seen so much in Haiti and New Orleans, this is still ongoing. Right. It may not be at the same fever pitch, but once it stops, you're dealing with what you were dealing with after Hurricane Katrina, but you're dealing with lives and relocation and crazy stuff. And not everyone is interested in this all the time, which is why uh, my unsolicited advice to you, Max, is pick your times to talk about it and make it really compelling because effectively you are marketing. You have to get people interested. And if they hear it too much, they zone out because they want to hear about what somebody wore to the Grammys. They don't want to hear about, people don't want to hear about death and destruction. It's sad, but it's true. So you have to- That's that's my next, that's my next level of understanding and compartmentalizing my efforts and making sure that I'm still putting out a lot. Yeah. Michael wants to post five times a day, every day, because that's what he's doing. And that's his main thing. And he has a core group that wants to hear that when he wants me to, I actually lose followers, believe it or not. If I post a picture of myself in a bathing suit, it will do very well. If you post a picture of yourself in a bathing suit, I promise you it'll (laughs) do very well. You post a picture of Ukraine right now, they're full. People are, there might be a cool thing that happens tomorrow where there's a fire somewhere and that's the cool thing to talk about. And it's sad to discuss it this way, but that's the fact of the matter. So I say to Michael, I'm not posting right now about this because people don't have the bandwidth for it. We'll do better if we wait until they're digesting it and have something important to say and some takeaway, and then we can raise money again. But you have to just remember, you have to go with the ebb and flow. It's, you can't change people. This is the way that it is. And that's why you're going to be successful or you are successful in these efforts because you apply the marketing know-how, the marketing Correct. skills. People are yelling at me nonstop, Correct. screaming at your phone. They're judging you for what you just said. Like, how can you say that these people right. are dying? And yes, you're right. But that's why I'm doing it this way because I can make bigger impact and big time. know exactly how to utilize my my voice. Everybody's talking about how healthy avocados are. We are. We have avocados healthy. It's a healthy fat. If every day they're telling you about avocados, you're like, I don't want to eat avocados anymore. Yeah. So you have to, you know, it's anything. It's, it's, yeah. There are people dying in Ukraine. There are kids going to trafficking. There are orphans we've extracted. $150 million effort. People don't want to hear about it right now any more than they want to hear about my business, my television career, anything. So there's just a way to do it. And it's just it is what it is. So that's why I said a little of that to your wife and to you, because you're passionate about it, but going in and out and finding your way will be really, really amazing. And you've done amazing things. Thank you, Bethany. Thanks awesome. so much. Thanks, Max. Have a great day. You too. Okay, so that was that was really interesting. I met Max through my superficial life of entertainment and reality television. We uh, stayed in touch. When I got deeply involved in an effort in Ukraine, I realized that Max was there. Maxim was there and connected with him and connected with his wife, and was concerned about his safety and what was going on and how he was getting out. 
And then uh, he wanted to get involved in philanthropy there. And we have a massive effort, uh, more than $150 million effort that will take months and months to continue with. And we've extracted orphans and we have multiple warehouses and my partner, Michael Capone and GEM, which is Global Empowerment Mission, uh, are still on the ground uh, and doing the heavy lifting, to be honest. And Max went and visited our warehouse and he became connected and we've helped him a little bit to, to kind of give him some of our experience. So he's had an interesting life. I think it's nice how he was humble about taking a financial hit in his life, a career hit, uh, trying to rebuild and getting hit with a pandemic, trying to rebuild and getting hit with a war and just being honest about the struggle. So it was a different type of interview, a different type of guest. And I'm really uh, glad for the conversation, appreciative. And I think you'll enjoy it. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.